0: all right good morning Chapel Hill you are going to need a Bible this morning so go ahead and get your Bibles out open up your Bible apps if you do not have a Bible Put your hand up and we will give you one to follow along in. Our ushers are coming around with some Bibles right now and they will give you one that you can use uh, as we start a new series this morning. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not currently have a Bible of your own, just keep the one that you receive and take it with you. Um, you're going to learn this morning that uh, we love the Bible here. We love what we find in there, how God teaches us through the Bible. And there's just all kinds of stuff in there that is so valuable. So... I'm going to do something a little different again this morning. I'm going to go for a little walk. I'm going to talk to the kids in the back, and I'm going to bring my kid with me, which could be a problem, but I'm going to do it anyway. All right. All right. Back here, kids, and up here. How many of you know who this kid is? Okay, what's his name? That's Asher. All right, this is my son Asher, and you guys, a lot of you know that Asher spends a lot of time going downstairs and working with the kids downstairs. I said working with the kids, playing with the kids downstairs. Asher is really good with you guys, isn't he? Is he fun to play with? He's fun to play with, isn't he? He's a blast. Not for me. He's fun for you to play with. When I play with him, he just beats me at everything now, so it's no fun anymore, you guys have a blast with Asher. He's a lot of fun to play with. Now, one of the things that I want to share with you here as I, as I share what I'm going to talk about for the next little while is simply this. Those of you who really like playing with Asher, um, it, sometimes it's kind of hard because Asher can't be with all of you all the time. But what if, what if Asher figured out a way where he could be with all of you all the time and play with all of you all the time. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, so here's what I'm going to talk about. Jesus came. You remember that Jesus came and he spent some time on the earth. And what Jesus did was he spent time with his disciples and with little crowds and that kind of thing. Now, he was limited in a way that Jesus could only be with who he was with physically. He could just be with those people. He couldn't be everywhere all the time at that point. But Jesus came up with a way where he could be with everybody everywhere all the time. And that's what I'm going to start talking about this morning. We're going to do a whole series through the summer about Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit, and how Jesus figured out a way that he could be with all of us all the time. All right on your tables, there are some really cool projects on there. I see you found the pinwheels. You also have all the stuff you need right there to make your own. And so as you make your own pinwheels, I want you to think about the wind, which can be everywhere all the time, right? But this is the kind of thing that we're talking about, about the Holy Spirit being everywhere. It can't see him, but he's everywhere. Okay? So go to work on your projects while I'm talking and know that that's what I'm talking about this morning. All right, thank you, Asher. All right. Today we start a new series of messages, and this one's gonna run through the summer, like I said. This series has a simple title to it. The title of this series is Power. One word, power, that's it. Okay, easy to remember. Um, so let me tell you why I think this is a logical next step for us as a church and why I felt God nudging me in this direction um, to, to lead you through this. We just spent a few months working our way through a series of 15 psalms called the Songs of Ascent. That series was called Unlikely, and we related to the Israelites of old on their pilgrimages to Jerusalem, to get close to the presence of God in the temple. And we worked through all those psalms. We learned a lot about what that pursuit of God includes for us as followers of Jesus. How do we do that? We tried to tap into the the passion of God's people throughout history who have made their pursuit of God a point of passion and priority in their lives. And we took steps to do the same thing in our own. Now, let me create a little space between their experience way back then and our experience now. Um, I will admit that there's something kind of attractive, it even falls into the romantic category about the idea of traveling to Jerusalem, even through the desert and under the hot sun, surrounded by brothers and sisters, singing together as you make your way to the place where God's presence dwells. Everyone knows the destination, everyone knows the songs, everyone knows the point of the journey. Seems like a pretty cool experience to me. But then there's our journey today. Our journey comes with its share of challenges, and I'm not going to sink into a pool of self-pity here, that's not my point at all. But pursuing God today in our culture and environment seems a little more challenging to me then taking a hike to Jerusalem three times a year to go and visit the temple. Now, of course, that was only part of the picture for the Israelites, right? And It painted a really happy picture, but it wasn't a time when they were in the midst of the hundreds of years of captivity and slavery and all kinds of other things that the Israelites faced. We're referred to now as a post-Christian society, and that name is there for a reason, Um, we're not, here in America, we're not the cool people anymore. We're just not. we got to face that. Our views on God and things like morals and religion are not particularly well-received anymore. But you won't hear me crying over the challenges that we face as followers of Jesus today. We have no reason to. See, we have something that the Israelites who made those pilgrimages while singing those songs didn't have. And so, as I said, this is not an invitation to a pity party. God knew, though, that we would need help. So he did something for us. And that something began with a promise. And if you're familiar at all with God and his character, you know that God keeps his promises. Let's start there. How many of you can say from experience that God is faithful in keeping his promises to you? He is. There's a lot of hands that went up. This is our reality. Well, let's remember just some of his promises and see if this is true. He promised us eternal life through Jesus. And we held on tightly to that promise on Wednesday at Joyce's Celebration of Life. And I need to pause and just say this. Chapel Hill Church, thank you very much for all that you did to make that a loving and and celebratory service on Wednesday, thank you for being a, a church that is loving and accepting and receives people very well. I've gotten so much feedback from that, um, and it was it was a great celebration of life. So thank you. Jesus promised to never leave us or forsake us, and every day I'm reminded of His faithfulness. On this one, He promises us comfort, strength peace, shelter, unconditional love, forgiveness, salvation, wisdom, joy, courage, and that list could go on, couldn't it? All his promises. God promised me that he has a plan for my life, and he proves that to me every day as well. Jesus promised us that he had overcome the world, so he calls us more than conquerors. God promised to light our path with his word. Jesus promised rest for those who come to him. God promises to hear and answer our prayers. Think about the last series of messages. God promised to deliver us. He promised to be our help. God promised to extend mercy to us, to deal with our enemies, to surround his people, to replace our mourning with joy, to bless us, to forgive us, and on it goes, just from those 15 Psalms. God has made so many promises to us, and he always fulfills his promises. And as we travel through life in pursuit of him, we learn to lean into those promises. For example, it's simply not enough to know God's promises. We'd be fools if we didn't partake of those promises. Imagine knowing that Jesus promised rest to those who come to him, but then we never actually come to him to receive that rest. Kind of a foolish thing to do. Thankfully, we're not fools. A little slow sometimes, speaking for myself. But some things are obvious even for me to understand. Like step one, know God's promises. Step two, call on God's promises. Step three, receive God's promises. This is an incredible thing to do because God is actually eager to follow through on his promises to us. And that is absolutely remarkable. This series is going to be about knowing, calling on, and receiving a very significant promise that God made to us. This is a game changer, this is essential, this is life giving. The fulfillment of this promise directly addresses the feeling we have that we need help following Jesus in this day and age, in this culture. There are many things about being a follower of Jesus that we want to fulfill. I want to know God. I want to obey God. I want to carry out God's plan for my life. I want to shine God's light brightly wherever I go. I want to be like Jesus and so much more. And all these things are attainable for us because of this promise from God and him keeping this promise. We need to know the promise. We need to call on this promise. And we need to receive the promise as well. All right, so way back in the book of Joel, you can turn there now. Joel, the prophet, inspired by God, wrote about something that was to come well after his time in joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 god says this through his prophet he says and it shall come to pass afterward that i will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and, and your daughters shall prophesy Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit. And it is commonly believed that this is a prophecy about the coming of God's Holy Spirit, who would come to all believers, men and women, regardless of ethnic heritage, status, or anything else, Followers of Jesus would receive God's Holy Spirit. In Psalm 51, David pleads with God to not take his Holy Spirit from him. And sometime go read Psalm 151. Um, David had blown it going into this psalm. In that psalm, he's remembering and calling on God's promises like forgiveness, forgiveness, It's an intense psalm and it's worth reading again. In Isaiah 63, we see a reference to grieving the Holy Spirit. Isaiah recalls times when God's Spirit brought power to the Israelites, like parting the Red Sea. That's kind of powerful. But also references mistakes regarding the Holy Spirit. Now, these aren't prophecies about the coming of the Holy Spirit. But they do help us realize that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, has always existed. He's always existed. The prophecies were not about the birth of the Holy Spirit, just about his coming, which we're going to get to soon in this series. Now, besides Joel and others, Jesus spoke at great length about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, quick sidebar here. This series is about the Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, without doubt, that I will not cover everything you need to know about the Holy Spirit this morning. So please let go of that expectation. Uh, This is an introduction to a series on the Holy Spirit. And so hold your questions or better yet, send me your questions. Send them to me, all right? I'm gonna to try to walk us through an overview of who the Spirit is, what he does, and why he matters so much to us as we progress through the summer. But if you have some burning question, let me know, and I will eventually work the answer to your question into the series, or I'll admit that I don't know the answer, and I'll call you into the search for the answer with me. All right, back to Jesus. Jesus spoke several times about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And remember where Jesus came from, himself. In Matthew 1, we learn that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Mary was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was present and active but wasn't yet available to every believer. Fast forward into Jesus' life and ministry. As Jesus grew closer to his disciples, and as they learned more about who Jesus was, Jesus began to enlighten them on his future plans. In Luke 11, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, and then he speaks of what a father or friend would give to those in need. And in verse 13 of Luke 11, Jesus says this, He says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Then there are further references to the Holy Spirit's arrival in the book of John. Jesus is making it pretty clear here in John. First of all, in John 14, Jesus says this. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That is a great promise. Now turn to John 16. John chapter 16. More promises. Jesus is talking about leaving the disciples and returning to heaven to be with his Father. And he gives another amazing promise. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. This is that idea of the Spirit, Jesus' Spirit, being able to be with everyone all the time, everywhere. Jesus set up The dawn of a new age. uh, One that was filled with an incredible outpouring of his spirit. And that's the age that you and I live in right now. Jesus wasn't just speaking to those 12 disciples at that time. He was speaking to us as well. He promised us his spirit and he delivered on that promise. And this is a promise, church, that you and I need to lean into. The promise of the Holy Spirit is every bit as valuable to us as God's promise of salvation, forgiveness, mercy, unconditional love. This is absolutely essential to His plan for us. This promise is the next phase of God's plan, the plan that included prophesying the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Spirit, Spirit was also prophesied. It was promised to us. Okay, so now maybe we can actually get to the start of our study. And I could seriously go on for weeks just setting it all up because this is God that we're talking about. This is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and he's with us, and he has so much to offer us. And we need what he has to offer very badly. Turn now to the book of Acts. This series is going to be a journey through the first five chapters of the book of Acts. These chapters provide a foundation for the rest of the book, and it is an amazing book. And I would encourage you to go ahead and read through the whole book of Acts this summer. Make that a summer project, and don't just read through it once and call it good. Dig in. Let me give you one way you can do that. There are a lot of good resources that you can use to accompany you on this summer journey through Acts. Um, I'm posting several companion video series on our Right Now Media account that you can check out. Um, Right Now Media is, is a video study resource that we have access to as a church. The series that you've been going through in your community groups is from Right Now Media, um, they have thousands of series available. And if you don't have an account with Right Now Media yet, all we need from you is your email address. That's it. If we have that, we can sign you up and give you access. No charge to you whatsoever to everything that they have, including our own Chapel Hill Church library on that site. And so give me or give our office staff your email address and we will get you set up. It's, it's very easy to do. Okay, sidetracked once again. I have a lot of energy built up to get this series going. Now, now let's read. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Acts 1, 1 through 5. This is what it says. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay, here we go. The author of the book of Acts, Luke, refers to the first book. And what was that book? Good, nice hesitation. That was not a trick question. It's the book of Luke. Luke ties this book back to the first one that he wrote. And I love this this very matter-of-fact description of what he did in Luke. He says he dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until he returned to heaven. Now, that's coming next week. We're going to talk about that. Here's what I have to point out. It's one word. The word is began. Began. Luke wrote in the book of Luke about all that Jesus began to do and teach. I want you to let that sink in. Wouldn't that indicate that Jesus wasn't done? Maybe just maybe Luke understands that Jesus wasn't finished doing and teaching. Isn't it possible that Jesus found a way to continue doing what his father called him to do and continue teaching what his father called him to teach. Jesus wasn't done. He isn't done. And so if for no other reason than that, doesn't the Holy Spirit deserve our attention? Or are we still going to just miss what Jesus is still doing and still teaching? What follows this passage in the book of Acts is the account of all that Jesus continued to do and teach even though he wasn't there. And let me make this abundantly clear. Jesus is still doing and still teaching today. He has no plans to stop doing and teaching. Let's insert ourselves into this conversation Jesus wants to keep doing and teaching in my life. He wants to keep doing and teaching in your life. But, I might ask, didn't he leave? Isn't he gone? Didn't I arrive too late to get anything but the notes from that three-year class that Jesus taught? No, I didn't. Jesus wants to continue doing things in our lives and he wants to continue teaching people like you and me and he can and he does and he is. And how does any of that work? It works because he sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to continue the work and teaching of Jesus in our lives, in our midst. He promised he'd do that, and once again, he fulfilled that promise. Just a few more things from our passage today. Luke states that there was a period following Jesus' resurrection when he showed the world that he was alive, and he proved that in all kinds of encounters with people. I love John chapter 20 and chapter 21 as a place to read about that time. Great account there. Peter's redemption story is there. Matthew and Mark are a little less detailed. Luke also has a great account of what Jesus did after the resurrection. Go back and read that, and it'll set up, again, set up where we're starting here today. Then Luke mentions Jesus' instructions to stay in Jerusalem and wait. In Luke 24, the last chapter of Luke, Jesus' words about waiting are mentioned there as well. Luke 24, 49 says this, This is Jesus speaking. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Our series is called Power for a Reason. Jesus' disciples were not going to be able to carry out what he had commissioned them to do without the power he was going to provide for them. You and I are not going to be able to carry out what Jesus has commissioned us to do without the pro- the power that he promised to give us. And honestly I've spent too much of my energy at various points in my life attempting to carry out what I thought God wanted me to do on my own power. That is not the life that God intends for us to live. And I well remember the day when I finally realized that and I finally sat down one evening and just lost it with God and said, God, I've been, I've been trying to do this on my own power for far, far too long. And I surrendered to him and let him take over. How many times have we backed away from something we know we should have done because we don't feel adequate? Stick around for a few hours and I'll share my experiences with you. We could spend the whole summer just sharing stories on how we've failed by our own power. And maybe the best we could hope for to come out of that would be some sort of support group that we'd all belong to. God promised power to us. He promised it to us. Jesus promised power to us. The Holy Spirit is that power for us. So I think it is absolutely essential to us as a church and to followers of Jesus as we tap into this power and all that's available to us. The first five chapters of Acts will help us figure out how to do that. There is no reason, Chapel Hill, for us to lead powerless lives. It's not who we are. And the joy and contentment and peace that comes through knowing that power, that feeling, knowing that power, knowing that power is at work in us, it's beyond description. I'm going to invite our awesome worship team to come on back up here. And uh, they're going to lead us through a time of celebrating communion together. Um, This is a communion Sunday for us and Here's what I want to focus on this. I want us to focus on this morning as we remember Jesus. Um, God took, and I've shared this before, God took a big step closer to us by sending his spirit to live in us. In order for God's spirit to live in us, there was a requirement that had to be met for that to happen. That requirement is that you and I, To have God's spirit come and live in us must be holy. We cannot just have God's spirit living in us without us being holy. And because God wanted this so badly, because he wanted his spirit to live in us, he took the step of making us holy. Called us to himself. And made us holy vessels, a dwelling place for God's spirit. Couldn't happen without that. Not just anyone can just grab the spirit and have him living in him. What had to happen was we needed to be made holy. And the way things had always been made holy, going way back to the temple and everything else, was through sacrifice. And so Jesus became that sacrifice the last sacrifice, the final sacrifice for you and me so that we could be made holy and become a dwelling place for God's Spirit. And so as we come and remember together through communion this morning, I want that in our minds. I want us to remember that this is what it took. These are symbols of what it took to make us holy so that God's Holy Spirit Could be given to us and we could receive his spirit. And so think about what happened on the cross. Think about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, where Jesus willingly stepped into that place as the final, ultimate sacrifice. He took upon himself the wrath of his Father, the wrath of God, and allowed his life to be taken as a sacrifice. And amongst other things, he did that to make us holy. And his blood was shed, as happened in the temple on a regular basis. Blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, to restore holiness. Jesus' blood was shed, one time for all, to make us holy, to forgive us. To take those stains away and make us white as snow. Holy people. We're called a holy nation. And so because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, you and I, church, brothers and sisters, we are holy. And we then become worthy vessels for God to send his spirit into. Where his spirit is set up to do all kinds of things in our lives. And I can't wait to get into just the, the breadth of this. And honestly, I said something earlier about not covering it all this morning. By the end of the summer, we probably won't have covered it all. This is a big deal. This is a significant thing. God, the Spirit, in us, through us, among us, He's here. He's as close to us as the air we breathe. And all of this was made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. After I pray, um, we're going to share a couple of songs together. During that time, you're free to come and take communion at the tables back there. You have the elements there on the tables. When you're ready, just go ahead and take communion. Those of you who are sitting in the chairs up here, we have the elements up front. Um, When you're ready, come to the middle aisle, come up the front, get your elements take them back to your seat go find a place to be with your family or just on your own whatever it might be take this time to thank god for what he's done through jesus christ to make you holy to make you a worthy recipient of god's holy spirit and then just pray that in the series ahead throughout the summer that he opens our eyes hearts, minds, opens up our understanding, opens up our willingness, our humility to receive all that he has for us through his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, I do want to thank you this morning for what you've done for us. Thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Thank you that he willingly and obediently stepped on uh, into his place in your plan, allowed himself to be placed on a cross. Stood and faced your wrath in our place. Thank you for the sacrifice that was made for us the sacrifice of Jesus Christ thank you Father for the blood that was spilled the blood of the perfect Lamb of God shed for the forgiveness of our sin to make us clean to make us holy thank you for your forgiveness and Lord wherever there's something that we're not opening up to you about that needs to be forgiven. Meet us in that right now. Another one of your promises, God, was that if we confess our sin and we turn from it, you will forgive us. And that sin will be gone. And it will not be remembered. It will not be held against us sin was taken care of on the cross by Jesus Christ. And I thank you for that and I thank you for the elements that you've given us to remember the incredible significance that they have in representing the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for Jesus. I pray this in his name.